Thank you. We now call this uh, meeting of the Sacramento City Council to order. All right, Madam Clerk, will you please call the roll? Councilmember Kaplan? Here. Mayor Pro Tem Talamantes? Here. Councilmember Valenzuela? Here. Vice Mayor, excuse me, Mayor Maple? Here. Councilmember Guerra? Councilmember Jennings? Here. Councilmember Vane? Here. Mayor Steinberg, I believe both him and uh, Councilmember Guerra will be joining us shortly. We have a quorum. Thank you very much. Councilmember Kaplan, would you please lead us in the land acknowledgement and Pledge of Allegiance? Sure. Please rise if you're able. We're doing the opening acknowledgements in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the original people of this land, the Nisenan people, the Southern Maidu, the Valley and Plain Miwok, the Putwin Wintun people, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe. May we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather together today in active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contribution, and lives. Remain standing. Pledge. I, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. Madam City Attorney, do we have anything to report out of closed session? Susanna. Susanna, do we have anything to report out of closed session? Uh, no, we do not. Thank you. Okay, now on to the consent calendar. First, I want to just say thank you to the public for your patience. We did start a few minutes late coming out of closed session, um, but happy to be here. All right, do any members have any items that they want to pull for a separate vote or for discussion? Um, I have one, Madam. Okay. I'm going to go down. I'll start here with Councilmember Guerra. Uh, I want to uh, have a, a speak on item number three. Okay. All right. Councilmember Vang. Thank you, Vice Mayor. Um, I'd like to just comment on item 19. Okay. Comment. Okay. Councilmember Kaplan. And just a comment on item eight. All right. Number eight. All right. Any others? Awesome. Okay. We'll start with Councilmember Guerra on item three. Uh, thank you very much, uh, you know, Vice Mayor. One, I want to thank again our Public Works uh, Department here. Uh, you know, we've been working on Vision Zero for a long time, and this is a slight augmentation to look at uh, safety and uh, improvements for both pedestrian issues in front of a number of our, our uh, schools and campuses. Uh, I just, again, I want to thank their, their uh, attention to the issue of safe routes to school, particularly to uh, areas both um, the 58th Street uh, and 21st Avenue there for West Campus and Mark Twain Elementary and also Aspire which is uh, on Folsom Boulevard and we know that Folsom Boulevard was Old Highway 50 so they, it's an area where we really need some help there. Thank you Vice Mayor and I just want to thank the City Manager for your team and Public Works for continuing that effort on Vision Zero pedestrian safety for our kids. Thank you, Councilmember. And I also uh, want to speak on item number three. Uh, I want to thank the city team uh, for these improvements to so Father Keith B. Kenny Elementary, Oak Ridge Elementary, and PS7 Middle that are all in District 5, uh, one of which I actually was a substitute teacher at and so really uh, intimately know how, how needed those improvements are. And I also want to thank Congresswoman Matsui for, for fighting for these funds in the Congressional Appropriation Act. All right. Up next, we have Councilmember Kaplan on item number eight. Thank you, Vice Mayor. Um, 
there's always interesting things you find in our consent, uh, and this is a supplemental agreement for landfill and waste disposal services. And something I wanna call out, our city staff tries really hard of how uh, we spend our money, but on this contract, and I'm not saying the contract's wrong, but just we needed to highlight that when we entered this contract in 2019, the fee was $32 a ton, and it was for a five-year fee, and that fee is now 74.80 a ton. So in the original contract was 800,000 and now we're close to paying uh, 2 million over five years. Um, I, I'm pretty sure the city looks in neighboring areas where uh, we could save money and I know that the council way before my time said we should only hire somebody locally but now as we're entering into some tougher budget times, this looks like an item where this could be the best price. We don't know but seeing how much this has gone up in a short amount of time, um, do we have a process to look out uh, differently or do we need to bring back to council and say it's okay if we hire outside services so that we can get the best cost I think uh, I don't know if Pravani's here uh, I see her. she can come speak to this I do know that uh, we've looked at this several times and all of our contracts we go out to bid and we go out to uh, request for a uh, proposal process I'll let Pravani talk about that and how we ended up here my understanding on this particular contract that goes back to 2019 was the council direction was to use a local company uh, to provide the services, and we've consistently used that company, and so the pricing's changed over the years. Um, we have not gone out to relook at what pricing would be on this particular contract. My, my advice is I'm okay with this contract, but if there's another one or a supplemental, because they are at the five-year period, it, it might behoove the city to make sure uh, if there's other more competitive costs out there. We are having a $50 million budget deficit, and if there are different things we can look at with contracts with saving, saving costs, I'm, I'm all for that. Okay, we'll do that. Thank you. That's it. All right, thank you very much. And Madam City Clerk, do we have any public comment on the consent calendar? Just item four. Oh, I, I'm sorry, I, I skipped Councilmember Bang. Oh, okay. oh, no worries. Uh, thanks, Vice Mayor. Um, I just wanted to comment on item 19. Um, as many of you know, um, uh, we have a, a huge uh, food insecurity issue in South Sacramento and Meadowview. Um, and what we're gonna be voting on tonight will really allow the city uh, to be in a position to accept dollars from the state to help launch the Medview Farmers Market. Um, I just first wanna take this moment to thank Assembly Member Stephanie Wynn, who fought really hard to secure the 500,000 last year in the 23-24 state budget to support the Medview Farmers Market. Also wanna give a, a heartfelt shout out to Consuelo Hernandez, our Director of Government Affairs, who's been working closely with our office and city staff to move this along. Um, I just also did want to note that we did learn recently, however, that the funds are currently be on hold uh, due to budget discussion, but we're hopeful that this is going to be resolved because a lot of state leaders are having conversations about this. Um, but we are prepared to take the vote tonight because we want to make sure that we can hit the ground running, prepare to accept the funds, um, and so that we could uh, really get moving on the farmer's market. I do want to announce that while we're waiting for this issue to be resolved, um, and when we take up this vote tonight, I just want to share that um, our office will be hosting a community meeting uh, in the upcoming months. Uh, my staff is still working on finalizing that uh, that date and time at the Pinnell Community Center uh, to get uh, feedback from the community about what you want to see for the Medivy Farmers Market. So we're super excited about that. So stay tuned for more updates for our community meeting. Uh, but really excited that we'll be able to take this vote tonight. And again, just want to thank Assemblymember uh, Wynn and uh, um, our uh, Director of Government Affairs, Consuelo, for working really hard on this. Thank you so much. Thank you for those comments and exciting news yes all right madam city clerk do we have any public comment on the consent calendar yes we have one speaker charles faust on item four 
Good evening. I um, read over this, and I've had people in the community call me actually about homeless, homeless issues that go on in that park. And I think it'd be wise while this is happening, and you guys are going to have to bring in portable toilets for this to occur anyway, you might as well just have that be a planned, semi-permanent thing, especially because it looks like the plans for this renovation, the building of all these sports fields, within that there's no actual plan to build permanent toilet bathroom features there anyway. And I know I get calls from people living around there about feces and other human waste in that park. So it would probably just be beneficial to, if they're going to have portable toilets there, just have it be a planned thing to maintain them being there if we're not going to build an actual structure. Thank you for your comments. Vice Mayor, I have no more speakers. Wonderful. I'll entertain a motion. Move approval, uh, Vice Mayor. Moved by Councilmember Guerra, seconded by Councilmember Jennings. All those in favor, please say aye. Aye. Yes. Abstentions? No. All right. Mayor voting on the consent. Mayor voting on the consent calendar. How do you vote? Aye. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Moving on to our public hearings, item number 21. Good evening, Mayor. Welcome. Uh, good evening, members of the City Council. Sean DeCourcy, Preservation Director for the City of Sacramento Community Development Department. I'm pleased to present the landmark nomination for the North Sacramento School at 670 Dixie Ann Avenue. <clears throat> the North Sacramento School is significant for its association with the foundation, growth, and development of the city of North Sacramento, which was annexed into the city of Sacramento in 1964. This building's design was influenced by a number of master architects who went on to design prominent landmarks, including the Guild Theater, Elks Tower, Memorial Auditorium, and many other historic schools. This building is a fine example of the Mission Revival style educational architecture with elements of Spanish colonial and Romanesque revival styles. I'd like to note this would be the first local landmark in North Sacramento and the first within the boundaries of Council District 2. This building is currently listed on the National Register of Historic Places and the California Register of Historical Resources, making the local designation logical, appropriate, and consistent with city code. The owner, the Twin Rivers Unified School District, does not oppose this listing and is actively seeking a buyer interested in repurposing the building and developing the surrounding site. The nomination is supported by the North Sacramento Community Association, Preservation Sacramento, and a number of community members who have written letters of support. Staff has met with the Del Paso Boulevard Partnership, whose director has expressed some concerns that the listing could restrict reactivation of the building and site, but staff has explained that the historic designation is a key tool in the city's economic, environmental, and planning strategy, and will make available financial incentives for reuse of the building. Lastly, the City's Preservation Commission reviewed this nomination on December 20th, 2023, and unanimously recommended City Council pass the ordinance listing this building on the Sacramento Register as North Sacramento's first local landmark. I can answer any questions that the Council may have at this time. So, thank you so much. Uh, do we have public testimony on this? I hope so. Yes, Mayor, I have five speakers. Good, let's hear from the speakers, please. Okay, so I'm going to call names. Gordon Liu. Roger Dickinson, Kim Scott, Jack Nielsen, and then William Berg. Yes. Your first, Gordon. Hi. 
Mayor, Council. Uh, my name is Gordon Liu, um, also the District 2 Park Commissioner and uh, President of Noralto Neighbors United. Um, I just want to express my wholehearted support for the designation of the school uh, as an official landmark by the city of Sacramento. North Sacramento holds a unique place in our city's history, and the North Sacramento School is a cornerstone of our community's past. It played a crucial role in sparking migration and building a sense of belonging for thousands of early North Sacramentos. The school building itself has already received federal and state designations as a historically significant. This local designation would be an unprecedented and long overdue recognition for North Sacramento. Thank you. Thank you for your Thank comments. You. Roger Dickinson. Good evening, Mayor and um, Council members. Um, I rise in support of the staff recommendation and mindful of the old axiom, uh, do you want to talk or do you want your bill? And so <laughs> keep, I'll keep my comments very limited, simply to say that, that this is an iconic landmark in North Sacramento. It deserves recognition for its history. But I also want to stress what its future can be. And we've seen the example of adaptive reuse in our city in places such as Sierra 2 and Coloma Center. That's the kind of use that we might have here. We might have other uses, but there are a multitude of opportunities here while we preserve the architecture, the features, the heritage that this building represents. It is a collection point historically for the community. It is a center of education. It means an enormous amount to those of us who call North Sacramento home, and I urge you to support the resolution and the staff recommendation before you. Thank you very much. Thank you for your comments. Kim Scott. Happy to be here on this historic occasion. My name is Kim Scott. I'm a resident of North Sacramento, old North Sacramento. Uh, 18 years ago, a community of artists, including myself, got together and purchased uh, the last, the half third of the property behind the school. It was the old playground, part of the old playground, and we built 11 houses and detached studios. It's now an artist community that's recognized nationally as a unique building project. Part of the reason we chose that property was because we appreciated the neighborhood generally, but also it was the school. We looked out of our windows and saw that, uh, that cool tower there and the beautiful design with the tile roof. And we thought, wow, that's someplace we can do something with ourselves. And we talked with the school district at the time about having maybe some art classes there, starting a gallery space or doing some community work there. And then unfortunately, shortly after that, it started shutting down a bit. And that didn't happen, but it didn't, uh, our dreams of doing that uh, have not changed. And so we're hoping maybe at the, in the future we still will be able to do that. So we appreciate that school very much, and it's about time that some beautiful architecture in our northern part of the city gets included in the historic reg registry. Thank you so much for your vote. And give your comments, Jack Nielsen. Jack Nielsen. And then William Berg is our final speaker. I'm going to read just so I can stay on, on point. Um, good evening, uh, council members. Um, my name is Jack Nielsen. I'm a member of the Old North Sacramento Community Association, and I have lived on the block that the school is on for over 18 years, so I'm really familiar with that building and all that has gone through. 
Um, I wanted to express how important this historical designation is to the local community and District 2 as a whole. It will be a wonderful seed planted to grow into an important addition to this area, anchoring the east end of Del Paso Boulevard. Um, with so much potential for the arts and arts-related businesses, a place for civic-related activities, and with so much potential for all of North Sacramento. Uh, I wanted to thank uh, uh, Ronnie Shaw and uh, Nancy Kitts, who was a consultant for us, um, a, uh, Bill Burr, who got the building on the um, Historic Registry, the National Registry, uh, uh, Sean DeCourcy and his staff, and uh, the many members of the community who have written in and have spoken about the designation. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. William Berg is our final speaker on this item. Good evening, Mayor Steinberg and members of the council. Uh, Preservation Sacramento has provided a letter of support for this uh, nomination. We were first made aware of the building in 2017 when a resident contacted us and asked us about the future of the building and that apparently the, the, they thought that the school district was going to try to demolish it. So we got involved and over the course of the next couple of years we held two walking tours and a historic home tour in the neighborhood, got to know uh, some of the people in District 2 and in that neighborhood and discovered that not only they have a, an enormous sense of that neighborhood's history and often a, a sense that they don't quite get a, a whole lot of recognition from City Hall. And uh, working with them and with funds from Capital City Preservation Trust we uh, back we managed the nomination to the National Register of Historic Places and then the, the, the school district put the building up for sale and the first thing that the uh, potential owner did was submit a permit for demolition. So that started this process which brings us here today. Uh, this will hopefully be the first historic building, landmark building in District 2, but I assure you it will not be the last. This is an important place and District 2 could really use some good news. So I hope you'll support the listing of this building as the first landmark building in District <laughs> 2. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Berg. Uh, I'd like to make the first comment if I might, then I'll turn it over to Councilmember Jennings, uh, because as you know, I am your temporary steward uh, and council member for District 2. And I want to tell you what a what a pleasure it has been, um, my staff and myself, to really be out there. I've always known North Sacramento, but to understand and see just how rich it is in terms of its history, its culture, its people, how much love and care there is. I've always known it, but it's just been amplified for me. And this project is born out of love and also it must serve as part of the revitalization of North Sacramento to maintain its historic character and at the same time to be another potential economic development project uh, in North Sacramento. And I hope that uh, whoever wins the seat and then uh, as this council carries on in, in the years ahead that you all focus on this area like never before because it deserves it and it needs it. And I just, I don't think I could say it any better than you know, we got a lot of letters here. And what's amazing is the number of letters about people who have some connection, historic connection, to the Dixie End building. And the one that just struck me was from my old colleague and friend, Rob Kurth, um, uh, who now, of course, sits on the smud board. He'd write in, he wrote, of course, in support of the preservation designation. And this is what he said. 
It is a great old building with a long presence in the community life of North Sacramento. My dad attended it as a boy. He often talked about the times in the school and how their meeting and performance hall was the now demolished Del Paso Theater just across Dixie Ann. I hope we can save the school. If we manage, I predict a day when the North Sacramento School fills the same wonderful role as the Sierra School fills in Curtis Park. Here's to that. In favor. Councilmember Jennings. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I'm going to take your uh, comment as a, um, a recommenda recommendation to pass the motion to determine that the listing is 670 Dixie Ann in North Sacramento as a landmark on the Sacramento Register of Historical and um, Cultural Resources. I'll take that as a motion, and I will second it. Um, it is time. It's an iconic landmark, as was mentioned by our speaker. It was, it, it was a collection place for people to come together in North Sacramento. Um, my office has been in North Sacramento, and it was right next door uh, to, the, uh, to the school. It was right next door to the school for 10 years um, as we were on uh, Del Paso Boulevard and still are on Del Paso Boulevard, just a little bit further down. But it is about time. This will be the first of many, as said, in North Sacramento. And I am very pleased and proud to support the motion to make this happen today. So it's about time. And time is right right now. Oh, you're, I gave you the motion, and I seconded it. Thank you. Thank you. If I, you're the mover. If I may. Thank you. I was about to say that. So perfect. And we have a second by Councilmember Jennings. All right. Madam Clerk, will you please call the roll? I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> Abstentions? All right. Thank you. Very exciting. Congratulations. And, and thank you to the hard work, work of our staff on this and, and Preservation Sacramento and all of the groups that participated in making this happen. We hope that this is just the beginning of many more to be um, designated in District 2. Thank you. All right. Vice Mayor, that passed unanimously. Wonderful. Thank you. Moving on to item number 22. Mr. Lemos, welcome. Thank you. Good evening, uh, Vice Mayor and members of the Council. I'm Peter Lemos. I'm your Code and Housing Enforcement Chief for Community Development Department. The items before you are the Neighborhood Code Compliance and Housing and Dangerous Buildings Fees, Penalties, and Special Assessments and Personal Obligations. I would like to present items 22 and 23 concurrently, but they will take a separate vote. The Housing and Dangerous Buildings, I'm sorry, item 22, the Housing and Dangerous Buildings Case Fees, Staff report lists the total of 60 properties with a total of $32,230 of unpaid fees scheduled for liens against the property. Three of the properties listed in Exhibit A of the staff report have been removed for the report and are identified as line numbers 24, 37, and 38. For item number 23, the Community Development Department Administrative Penalties and Neighborhood Code Compliance Case Fees staff reports list an amended total of 489 properties with a sum of $637,358.31 of unpaid fees and um, penalties uh, scheduled for special assessment and personal obligations against the property. 32 of these properties listed in Exhibit A of the staff report have been removed from the report and are identified at line numbers 13 through 29, 200, 253 through 254, 277 through 283, 302, 442, 443, 445 and 450. Staff recommends that City Council adopt the two resolutions separately as amended to allow the City to collect these unpaid fees 
by placing a special assessment, levies, and or personal obligation against the property. That concludes my presentation. Thank you, Mr. Lemos. Councilmember Guerra. Uh, Madam Clerk, I'll, uh, after the uh, public comment, I'll, if there's any from the clerk, I'll take a motion. I have no speakers on item 22 or 23. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Vice Mayor, I'll open and close the public hearing and move the item. We'll do item number 22 and then we'll, uh, and then we'll take a vote and I'll do the second one. Item number 22, motion by Councilmember Guerra, second by Councilmember Kaplan. All right. All those in all those in favor, please say aye. Aye. Noes, aye. abstentions. Okay. That passes unanimously. Vice Mayor, I'll move and open and close the public hearing on item number 23 and move the item. All right. I have a motion by Councilmember Guerra, a second by Councilmember Kaplan. All those in favor, please say aye. Aye. Noes, abstentions. That passes unanimously. Thank, Thank you, you, Mr. Lemos. Thank you, Council. And for the record, Vice Mayor, um, the mayor's Mayor Steinberg is absent on both of those items. All right. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Okay, now moving on, colleagues, I will now take council comments, ideas, questions, and any AB 1234 reports. Any questions, comments, AB 1234 reports? And I see Council Regera that you're up on the queue. All right. Oh, Councilmember Kaplan. Thank you, Vice Mayor. Um, and continuing the tradition that we have uh, as a community doing cleanups this Saturday, February 17th, at the District 1 East Drainage Canal, there's going to be a cleanup. And this is being led by Ella Gorski, who is a Girl Scout ambassador and senior at Intercom High School. And by putting this together and getting everybody to help clean up, she will win her or get her gold award in completing this project as a Girl Scout. So it's from 10 to 1230. And we're going to meet at the CVS parking lot on 2050 Club Center drive so if you want to do something nice come on out and help us clean Excellent. thank you councilmember jennings thank you vice mayor um, this is for the, uh, this is for the uh, city manager and i think all of us have had to deal with the recent storms that we've had here in the city of sacramento and i want to know if there's any relief that we can offer to help clean up some of the storm debris that's still on the on the roads and in the neighborhoods. Um, I know it's my understanding that the cloth season has ended, um, but I was hoping that there might be some kind of a hybrid or alternative that we can accomplish in having the same outcome as having the claw and having neighbors have another option as far as being able to get rid of all of the debris that is in their neighborhood and on their streets. I also recognize that Proposition 218 places some restrictions on what the city can and cannot do, but I would appreciate it if you and your team would explore what can be done to help the community to clean up the storm debris and report back to the entire city council on what our options are so we can uh, make that happen. Absolutely. I'll have staff look into that. It'll probably be a combination of some of these uh, reservations for pickups that we'll do and and, uh, and deploying our teams a little bit differently given the nature of the storm. So, yeah, we'll, we'll report back to the council off agenda memo just so the full council understands what that is. Great. And just so you know, I mean, I've had many constituents who have called me to say my, my refuge can is completely full, and I've got the large one, and I still have so much more debris, and I've got to wait week after week after week in order to be able to get it all in the can. So if we could extend it for just a period of time, 
without having cost to the to the residents, then in fact, or if there is a cost, we can talk about what that cost might be. Absolutely. You know, I know just enough to be dangerous, so I'm going to be working with my team to figure out what it is that we can do to accommodate and have the outcome that you want. Thank you. All right. Thank you. We got uh, Councilmember Guetta, and then I have a comment. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mayor. I wanted to, uh, one, uh, welcome folks to the Colonial Heights Neighborhood Association meeting at our Colonial Heights Library this uh, Wednesday at 630. Uh, join us there for um, conversations about upcoming events in Colonial Heights. And also wanted to um, uh, remind folks in the Golden Palms Estates community, a wonderful mobile home community, a manufacturing community, that will have Donut Friday on uh, this Friday at 9 a.m. and where we get to have a lot of conversations about um, issues affecting the mobile home community. And then finally, um, you know, wanted to one, uh, uh, thank and welcome folks to the uh, annual Spring Festival by the Sacramento Chinese of Indochina Friendship Association uh, at 6 p.m. at Happy Garden on Stockton Boulevard. And want to thank the, uh, SCIFA, for short, uh, the Sacramento Chinese of Indochina Friendship Association, for their wonderful Lunar New Year celebration uh, this last weekend. And we know there are many other celebrations that, uh, you know, Asian resources in the neighborhood are doing uh, to celebrate the, the Lunar New Year. And uh, so I want to wish everyone a happy Lunar New Year. Gung Hei Fat Choi, Chuk Mong Namoy, and Koi, I'm working on it, Bang Orang Siang Hang, for the Mien community. And, uh, you know, in Spanish, Feliz Año Nuevo Lunar. Uh, with that, thank you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you very much, Councilmember Guetta. Um, I'm going to take the, uh, the mic here. Um, I want to comment for just a moment on some of the procedural controversy that has arisen around Measure C, which is the uh, City Council uh, ballot measure that would uh, not actually raise the business operations tax, but would... Um, expand it uh, after many years. And I'm not speaking in any way because we're on the council dais here. It's not the appropriate place to talk about the merits or the pros and cons, pro or opposition, none of that. But there have been some questions, excuse me, there have been some questions raised uh, by members of the public and our, our good press uh, about whether or not the measure was placed uh, on the ballot in an appropriate way. So I want to start by saying a couple of things. Um, when there is any mistake made by any uh, leader in the city, I think it is very important that we say it and admit it. And secondly, a corollary to that is that no matter how a mistake gets made in the city, um, it's ultimately the people that sit up here and ultimately the person that sits here uh, as the elected mayor of this city that, uh, that takes responsibility, and I accept that. And so let me begin by saying on this matter, and, and so secondly, let me get to the next point. Over the next 48 hours or so, uh, our city attorney, our very fine city attorney and our fine city clerk are going to be putting out a public response to some of the criticisms uh, and the concerns that have been raised, again, by members of the public and the press, laying out uh, in detail uh, their chronology and, um, and their view of the situation. I will say to you, 
that uh, as I've thought about this over the last several days and, and, and reflected on what our responsibility is, one thing that I would love to have the opportunity to do, but we cannot legally, is actually affirmatively take this question that has been raised to a court in a so-called validation action, but we can't do that. We can't do that. The law only allows for that if the measure passes. And then we might do that, and I think that might be sound given some of the controversy that has been raised. But I want to describe to you just for a second my understanding of what has occurred and why there might be some confusion. First of all, back to the point I made at the very beginning, a mistake was made here. It was made. It was an innocent mistake, but it was a mistake because the ordinance itself should have been published in the, uh, the city's official newspaper, the Sacramento Bulletin. And by the way, the way that process is, works is that I believe annually the city bids out to local newspapers and local media outlets to see who wants to be the official uh, publisher. And um, some apply, some don't. And the Sacramento Bulletin um, is, the, is the paper of record. But here is the key point. The obligation to publish in the official newspaper of record is to publish the ordinance itself, not any of the opportunities for proponents and or opponents to be able to write a ballot argument. And, that's the, and that seems to be the nub of the controversy and the issue of concern. How does the public get informed about their opportunity to write an opposition argument, which is what the Sacramento Bee and others have written about and what some of the people who have expressed concern have, have talked about. This is how. The city publishes not only the ordinance and the ballot measure on their website, but they also, they also publish at the same time the dates and the, the opportunities for anyone who opposes the ordinance and the initiative to be able to, to, be able to um, file an opposition. We passed this ordinance on the 14th of November, 2023. And yes, a mistake was made because as I said, the published ordinance was not put into the, the, the business paper uh, until uh, after the charter deadline. But on the 14th of November, not only was the ordinance published on the city's website, but the argument deadlines were posted on the city's website. The primary argument uh, was extended for the opponents from 10 to 13 days. And so there seems to be some confusion or conflation, I think, that the requirement to publish the ordinance in the bulletin, that was a mistake, that was missed. The requirement to actually inform the public about their right to file an opposition argument was put forward in a public transparent way the very evening that the ordinance was passed by the city council. And so then the question is, what is the import, the legal import of the mistake that was made in not, file, in not publishing the ordinance a second time, if you will, 
uh, in the paper of record. And on that score, I'm going to allow the city attorney and the city clerk again over the next 48 hours to, um, to uh, be able to put that out. And then I, as mayor, am going to stand before whoever wants to talk to me about this. And I'm going to, and I, and I'm going to talk about it. And, um, and if there's other, another point of view or something's missed and all this, but this is, I hope this is some evidence of transparency here because the original mistake was a mistake, but it was not a, a mistake uh, that was, it, that in any way was attempting to mislead. A, and I think the best evidence of that, again, is the fact that the ordinance and the deadlines for filing the arguments were published online the very same night. So more to be said about this, not the final word, but I just felt like I wanted to say what I said, which is that mistake made, Here's how I understand the process. Here's what was done. Um, love to be able to clarify this in court even before the election. That's not legally possible. And so we will continue to have this discussion over the next couple of days and then let the voters decide on the merits what they think about Measure C. Thank you. Yes, public testimony on items not on the agenda. Yes, Mayor, I have 23 speakers, Barbara Bam, Guy Stevenson, and Jerry Landreth. I don't see Barbara. Guy Stevenson. I apologize ahead of time for my voice. Uh, you're probably not going to like what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. The people that are on this side respect the Brown Act. They also respect the First Amendment. You don't, you don't, you don't, and you don't. But I'm going to let you know right now, and I'm just going to tell you, and I'm going to tell the mayor the same thing. I have a lot of people behind me. I will sue you. You guys cannot just turn your chair around. There's people I know that come up here, and they say stuff that's not nice. I get that. I listened to that for 27 years in the military. But... You still have to listen to them under the First Amendment. Oh, yes, you do. And if you want to test me, I'll take you to court. Sir, speak to the full council. I am talking to the do full council. Do not speak council. to one member. She speak wants to, the to full challenge council. people. I will challenge you right over a Mansui courthouse. I'm telling Sir, you. And got, I will we, put you all we, on YouTube. We got your point. Thank you. Yeah, you don't got my point. Okay, sir. You, you, you guys do. You're, you're running a circus here. You violate the First Amendment, the Browns Act. And I'm an easygoing person, but when you have people like her saying, "Oh yeah, we could do," directed to the full city council, I not to one to person. Floor. Well, you know, she is an attorney. Oh no, she, she, she know the, the full law, city council. And so should she. The full city council, Mr. Masano. If you want to push me. Go ahead. I will take you to court just like that DA did. Test me. I have a lot of people behind me, and I have an attorney better than you. So I'm just telling you, you're violating the Browns Act, and you're violating the First Amendment. People under the law have the right to speak. Listen to what they have to say. Thank you, you guys, over here. I don't... Here's Jerry Landreth. Following Jerry is Tracy Rice Bailey. Okay, I've been here several times. 
We still got the problem out by Altos Avenue and, and El Camino with all those tents out there. We just had propane tanks explode on the trail two nights ago. Okay, this is way out of control. Uh, the the uh, homeowners out there feel like they're being disrespected because they all came into a residential area. There's about 90 of us out there, and we're considering a lawsuit if you guys don't clean it up. It's out of control. There's drugs out there. I'm tired of picking up needles in our front yard. I'm tired of the propane tanks all over the place. Um, there's just so much stuff. There's cars parked all over the trail that says no parking anytime. Nobody's enforcing anything. I call code enforcement. Code enforcement doesn't want to do anything. They came out because only one car had four tires off it. So that's the only reason why they came out. I go, what about the rest of these cars? They don't even have plates on them. There's no place they're parking out in the street with no plates on them, no registration on them, and they're not doing anything about it. And I, I keep calling 311. I've probably called 311 in the last six months 300 times. I'm not getting anywhere. Something has to be done. And the, the, uh, the, what they had told me out there is, oh, yeah, we're going to clear this whole section out. Well, that was two months ago. What's going on? What do we have to do? You know, do we have to file a lawsuit against the city? I don't think we should have to do that. The city should be responsible and do what they need to do and go and clean that up. That's the plain fact. I don't understand why they're not doing it. You know, I mean, any other city, they wouldn't allow this to go on. Not in the residential area. And you saw, I see it in the downtown area. I see it in your business areas. I see it down here where you got people sleeping out in front of your building. That's disgusting. It really is. You guys ought to wake up and see what's going on in your city. And not going out there to see it. The only guy that's gone out here is, is Mario Lara. He's the one out there that went to go pay attention. It was, he came to our house to see what was going out on there out there and took pictures of that. And he knows how disgusting that really is. So somebody your needs to comments, clean it up. Your time is complete. Tracy Rice Bailey and Amira Koch. Hi, I'm a co-founder of Safe Ground, but that's not why I'm here. I'm here on behalf of one of my co-founders, John Cranes. John's in the hospital right now. He just got out of ICU. And if he goes back to his apartment that he's been renting, he can't. That apartment has got black mold in it. It's full of water right now. The kitchen's not usable. He didn't have a bathroom for months. It's full of cockroaches. John can't go there. Can anybody help? The hospital says there's no aftercare place they can put him in. Is there anything anybody can do to help, please? God, we, please. Mr. Lara is here, who was mentioned a moment ago. Could you, we'll, we'll make sure that he hears everything. We'll do everything we can to help, okay? Thank you, dear. Thank you, okay, ma'am. Of course. I'm so sorry. I hope he's okay. Next speaker is Amira Koth, and then Julia Skiles. I don't see Amira. There she is. Thank you. Amira, then Julius, then Ryan. Can I start? Please proceed. Okay. On January 16, 2024, the Sacramento City Council adopted its Rules and Procedures Resolution, stipulating that items suggested by council members to meetings agenda should follow a flow chart determined in page 40 of this resolution. The same document also stipulated that Sacramento Mayor is a member of the council and has no veto power over actions of the council. 
The Sacramento City Rules and Procedures also referred to the Rosenberg's Rules of Order, which determines that tabling an agenda item requires a majority vote. I'm not going to bring up the Brown Act violation, but single-handedly tabling the ceasefire resolution presented by Council Member Katie Valenzuela and May Vang and failing to follow the flow chart adopted by the city, um, Sac City rules and procedures, not only is a violation of the city's resolution, but is a reminder that it's time for some checks and balance. After all, history teaches us that despotism grows in the absence of accountability. And as an Egyptian American, we have a proverb that goes, they asked Pharaoh, how did you become a tyrant? He said, I didn't find anyone to deter me. As a result, this violation has been reported as an official complaint to both the Sacramento City Ethics Commission as well as the Sacramento District's attorney. Mayor Steinberg, it may have been nice to have had some silence in today's council meeting, but that's only because the noise will emerge somewhere else. Because like Moses, we will continue to stand up to Pharaoh. Thank you so much. Julius Giles, then Ryan Misano. The last name is Giles. <clears throat> I say thank you for the opportunity to speak, but I know it means nothing to you. Since I know you don't care about the American people, my speech is to the American people and to the world. These so-called leaders that you see in front of me here are criminals who last week tyrannically removed our right to free speech and violated the Brown Act, a law which guarantees the public's right to attend and participate in meetings of local legislative bodies. Mayor Daryl Steinberg likes to label anyone who questions his religion anti-Semitic, yet last week he cut free speech from 40 people. Of those 40 people, there were Jewish people. How is that not anti-Semitic? How is it not sexist or racist when of those 40 people, there were women and minorities who wanted to speak? These are the same people who pretend to be for you until you go against their narratives and beliefs. Every single one of you are not fit to lead the people of Sacramento. The men are weak, the women are incompetent, which is why I am fully on board with repealing the 19th. We need to not only have more godly men, but more godly Americans who come down Point to City order, Hall Mayor? and let these criminals yes. know this is that not what city they did business. was unconstitutional. They are not deserving of your vote. They are not deserving of your support. Excuse me, there's a not point, deserving there's of your point respect. of order. Stand up now or otherwise you will fall for anything. John 3.20 says, for everyone who does wicked things, Mr. hates the light and does sure. not come to the light, lest his work okay, should sir. be exposed. Good, thank you. Point of, I think the point of order was well taken. You, the, I got the, 15 the, seconds left. I'm not leaving. The rule says, excuse me, that no, even on matters me. not on the agenda, that you order. have to speak to things that are germane to the city of Sacramento. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Yeah. I'm talking to you. You're the problem. That's why I'm here talking to you. See the you later, problem. Man. Sit down. No, Your I, time got, is I up. got five seconds left. I'm not leaving. Four, three, two, one, zero. Now I can. Next speaker is Ryan no, Misano, go. then Robert Copeland. In California as a mayor. Yeah, turn your Ryan Misano, then Robert Copeland. This is what we're talking about. You're a puppet. They 
Ryan Masano. Ryan Masano, Robert Copeland, Nancy Osvito. Read the admonition to Mr. Masano, please. Please do not disrupt the orderly conduct of these proceedings by continuing to speak from the audience. You're in violation of Chapter 5 of the City Council rules of procedure. If you continue, you'll be directed to leave the meeting. Members, we're going to take a recess for 10 minutes. We're in recess. Julius is going to be standing there when you come back. Council is back from its recess. Take 15 seconds. These people do not deserve your vote. These people do not deserve your support. These people do not deserve your respect. And I urge every single Sacramentian and Californian to come down here and tell these people that they work for us and we do not work for them. I urge you to come down here. Thank you. And next speaker is Ryan Masano, then Robert Copeland, then Nancy Azevedo. Ryan Masano of MasanoNews.com. The attacks by this city council on the First Amendment are despicable. Let's remember that in 1776, King George III interfered with First Amendment rights of Americans and they threw King George III off. And so you probably should remember that because when you interfere with Americans' First Amendment rights, you're in, the First Amendment is followed by another amendment so that when you interfere with our First Amendment rights, then the Second Amendment comes into play. So what you're doing is an extremely dangerous, dangerous precedent. You really don't want to go down this road. None of you do. Uh, 50%, like a large majority of America, doesn't even think that California is a part of America because of stunts like what you guys are doing tonight. So, uh, you know, it, this already happened in China and Russia. Citizens were silenced. Now, if you could silence a citizen and they can no longer speak up to defend themselves, what's next? The next thing is you kill them. They can no longer speak for themselves, so they get killed. I'm not trying to take away any of your First Amendment rights. I'm not trying to take away anyone's First Amendment rights. So then why are my First Amendment rights trying to be taken away? It's the golden rule. No one up there wants your First Amendment rights to be taken away, so don't do that to me. I don't do it to you, so you don't do it to me. It's as simple as that. And part of love, a word which I have never said, but I'm going to say it now, is correction. You cannot have love without truth. If you're not resting on truth, it's a fake relationship. Everybody's just saying what they have to to just get along. Part of a real relationship is correction. Matter of fact, a word that we don't use a lot is chastisement makes chaste. So these are things that needs, I had a lot more to say, but uh, that's, this city council has got to honor the First Amendment. It has violated it enough. It needs to end from this point forward. Thank you. I give you your comments. Robert Copeland, then Nancy Avito. Uh, first, I'd like to uh, thank uh, City Councilman Kitty Roundway for making uh, 18th and K safer. I live in, in the, at that apartment complex. And where's the Mayor Steinberg? Where's Lisa Kaplan? They should be here. Doctor pay for this week. They're not doing their job. 
a one. I think yeah, we should have more housing. I won't fight. I'll fight for housing. Tenant rights. And all you people, quit violating the First Amendment, as the uh, previous two speakers have said. I've been kicked out of the city council for no reason. I almost get kicked out a third time. You're violating the First Amendment, Mayor Steinberg, wherever you are. Who's in the closet? I don't know where he's at. I think he's too chicken. <laughs> I wish he would step down. I'm calling for him and Lisa Kaplan to step down because they're doing a terrible job. And I'm, I'm, I was saying that before, before uh, what happened to Palestine. I'm calling for a ceasefire also, or it's going to get worse in the Middle East. More people are going to die, including Americans. Call for a ceasefire. Let's have peace in this world. Support Israel. They've gone a little too far, in my opinion. Thank you. Here's Nancy Azevedo. Following Nancy is Sarah Dabby. Good evening. My name is Nancy Azevedo. I'm from District 2. Uh, I came here this evening in, with a question in regards to a park that we have in Del Paso Heights in District 2. Uh, it was supposed to have been breaking ground in November. Uh, that time has come and gone, and we are waiting to hear what the new agenda is, the time frame. Uh, this is for Mama Mark's Park with the water feature. So I know the mayor has update on that, but he's gone. So if anybody else can speak on that. Yes, um, Mr. Ryan Moore, would you mind speaking with Ms. Azevedo? Thank you. Our assistant city manager, okay. Ryan Moore, will speak with you. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker is Sarah Dabby, then Oswaldo. Okay, good evening, cowards. The main two I wanted to address disappeared, but for every person that is still not loudly proclaiming their support for Palestine, your point of no return is here. We are no longer begging for you to see us as human beings. We are no longer begging for your empathy towards our children hanging from the walls, shredded to pieces as if they've passed through a meat grinder. You despicably stood in front of us. You've ignored the pleas of your constituents, even silencing us, and Sacramento will never forget that. Your days up there are numbered. All of you who are still not actively trying to stop Israel, you're either too stupid to realize what they are doing until after it's done, or you're just as much of a monster. They have spent the last four months confining two million people to the smallest plot of land two million people have ever existed on. And now that they're also highly concentrated with no possibility to escape and trapped from all borders where it is impossible to not cause mass casualties with every single bomb they dropped, they have decided they're now going to increase their bombing campaign. If you pretend like the civilian casualties are some sort of unfortunate accident, you are ignoring the fact that they could not have planned a more efficient way to end so many lives short of a nuclear attack. And if you think that you can just let that happen and not talk about it or talk about it like it's some sort of terrible thing that happened in the past that you had nothing to do with, we'll think again. Because even if they do succeed in killing every single life in Gaza, they will never, ever be able to end every Palestinian. Because of Israel, we are everywhere. And we will remember. And there is nothing compared to the billions 
millions of people who stand in solidarity with Palestinians who will also never ever let you forget. History sees you. Your descendants will see you. They see what you are saying and what you are doing right now when it matters most. With or without you, Mr. Mayor, a liberated Palestine is coming. To speak now is salvation in the eyes of history. Your silence is damnation, and he is guilty of genocide. Next speaker is Oswaldo. Next speaker is Oswaldo, and then Charles Faust. Good evening, uh, council members. My name is Oswaldo Segueda. I'm the representative of Carpenters, uh, Local 46 in Sacramento. I also work in many places over the Northern California. So I come personally to speak of a personal experience of struggling for construction workers' experience in the daily basis. So that's why I feel uh, the labor standards language is very important because I will only help create some uh, type of uh, guidelines for developers to follow. Language like a uh, healthcare, apprenticeship and local hire. We'll only set the standards for contractors when it comes time to bid a project. So I feel that healthcare is important for the language of 50% of California constructions are, are workers that rely to some type of public assistance to be able to provide some type of healthcare for their families. This is one of the reasons why a lack of a healthcare keeps workers away from the industry and provides a shortage of workforce and many job sites in California. Apprenticeship is also something we should focus on, on since the programs will only elevate the living standards of those individuals and providing them a debt-free education. With this in mind, construction workers will only be able to uh, secure jobs in their communities and have the sense of purpose. Finally, a uh, local hire will benefit our community in many ways. One could be uh, reducing carbon emissions by reducing the vehicles miles traveling by construction workers. Also, this will uh, make a huge impact by creating work and life balance for families in this country. Uh, this uh, will lead more construction workers to become involved in our community and events like this one. Uh, you know, like construction workers be um, sorry, my time is done. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Charles Faust, then Humor Warris. The um, metal shed slums being put up by the city have always been a terrible idea. But if you're going to feel the need to do that in safe grounds, then you should probably do it properly at least and not let people suffer. Um, the Roseville Road Shelter, the metal sheds there don't have power to them and um, something needs to happen. So while discussions are happening still about the LHAP or RCHAP um, and the HAP5 funding, they're just, people are deciding how the HAP5 funding is gonna be spent. It'd be worthwhile advocating for money to provide power to the sheds. And um, while the construction's happening to provide power to the sheds, have money in place for people to stay in hotels, give people hotel vouchers that are already there for the months it's going to take to provide power to those sheds. Well, on that, the, um, for federal grant money for homeless programs, there are minimal standards for things like this. Um, you actually do have to provide power to those sheds. It's if you're going to get money from the federal government for these programs, you're going to need to actually provide power to them. 
and on the state level, there's a lot of regulations in place for not using those sheds for more than 180 days to house people unless they actually have power to each individual shed. Uh, not Mr. just plumbing, but power to. If it's okay, Mr. Foss, uh, Mr. City Manager, do you have an update on the power at Roosevelt Road? I do. We're still working on providing power, to your point, to all the, um, the, the trailers and the, the tiny homes as well. Uh, because this was such a, a sense of urgency, we mobilized all those structures on site to get people off the streets. We do have two large areas that uh, they do have heating and cooling, and we're in the process of electrifying every one of the units out there. It's just a lengthy process, so it was, this was a kind of in-betweener. And so uh, people have the ability to move into an area that's heated uh, should they desire. So they're not just stuck within the, uh, the tiny homes themselves or the trailers. I hear about people yeah, freezing at night. So that's a different side of that story, is individuals that don't feel safe going outside, I guess, and being in these heated areas are staying in their sheds and freezing. But it's more importantly, it's cold, but you can mitigate cold by wearing more clothing and blankets and stuff. By the time the summer comes and we have 105, 107 degree heat, those sheds are going to be 130 degrees and people are going to die. So we need to make sure that the electricity is provided to the sheds before that time. So if you're looking for funding, like I said, look for it in that HAP 5, because it's over the next couple of months, it's, that's where shit is going coming down from. Anyway, thank you. Next speaker is Umer, then Desiree Rojas. Yes, uh, thank you, council members and mayor. Uh, my name is Umer Juarez. I'm a physician in the community as well as a board member for the Greater Sacramento Muslim Public Affairs Committee, which is dedicated to educating our community and also mobilizing the vote for this upcoming election. And I kindly, I, I'm here today to kindly urge you all to consider and vote upon the resolution authored and led by Ms. Valenzuela and Ms. Vang, and we thank them for their leadership and courage. And I also hope to kindly address some of the concerns that the mayor raised in his op-ed in the Sacramento Bee. One of them being that this is a foreign policy issue that doesn't belong in the city council. And I would kindly urge you to consider that on past foreign policy matters, such as the Ukraine war, the Iraq war, uh, and even apartheid South Africa, it has been our city councils that have led the groundswell of support that had led to the end of those atrocities, including, we hope now in this case, the atrocities in Gaza and the genocide what many experts call the genocide in Gaza. And secondly, I believe the mayor had referred to this as divisive and one-sided. And I would also kindly urge you to consider that as long as this war continues, that the continued loss of innocent life, that is what will lead to further divisions in our community. And hence, for that reason, a ceasefire resolution is one actually that will mend bonds. And I'd like to just kindly close on the words of one of my quotes, favorite quotes of Abraham Lincoln, who wrote at this height of the Civil War, is that we are not enemies but friends. And though passion may have strained our bonds, it cannot break them. And I hope by passing this resolution, we will work on strengthening our bonds as a community, Muslim, Christian, Jewish, all of us. Thank you all. Um, Hello, everyone. Um, thank you for this time. I want to thank Katie uh, Valenzuela and Mei Vong for the resolution on the ceasefire that you presented. Um, it was very courageous of you, and I, I thank you for that. 
Um, again, my name is Desiree Rojas, and um, I'm with the Labor Council for Latin American Advancement. We're tied to both nationals, AFL-CIO and Change to Win. I would like to remind this board that the AFL-CIO national passed a ceasefire, and if they can do it, then you can too. Uh, for those of you who need uh, that acronym spelled out, the American Federation of Labor and Congress of Industrial Organization, which is our national labor house of our country that represents labor in our country, of uh, people of very diverse backgrounds, as you know from some of you, like Eric Guerra, hermano, Katie, um, I walk with the legacy. My father and my mother were co-founders of the United Farm Workers Union. And many of your seats today, you stand on the shoulders of farm workers and brown people and raza and native people of this indigenous land. And my father, Al Rojas, would be here with me today to say, the right thing to do is to pass a ceasefire resolution today because this is a genocide. And history tells us that we fought in World War II to end fascism. My grandfather fought in that war, came back a broken man, and we could never allow fascism to direct our country. It's taxpayers who are paying for this genocide without the will of the people. Thank you for your comments. Your time is complete. Our next speaker is Lucretia. Thank you for your comments. Your time is complete. Please take your seat. Your time is complete. Please take your seat. Please, you have seated your speaking time. Please take your seat. By continuing to speak, you are disrupting the orderly conduct of the meeting and are in violation of Chapter 5 of the Council Rules of Procedure. If you do not stop, you will be directed to leave the meeting. Please, please take your seat. Your time is complete. Please, please take your seat. Please take your seat. Next speaker is Lucretia, then Arias Jabrini. Um, hello. I've never been here before. I really didn't know what to expect, but I was told this is where I can come to express some of my concerns that I've had. Uh, my name is Lucretia Patrice Bird. I was born and raised here in Sacramento. I left in 2013. I've been here since COVID. I am speaking more on a personal level. I hear everyone speaking on a global level, um, but this is something that I have been dealing with um, Personally, I am currently living at the Greens Hotel on Stockton Boulevard, and I am in a DV situation with someone that I started out doing a street ministry with, and it has turned into something else. Um, from this individual, I am experiencing stalking, defamation of character. Um, my livelihood and my children's livelihood are being completely sabotaged. Um, I am here asking about... Um, what is the future for housing for people who are in this motel, uh, motel voucher program who are currently experiencing DV? I have been given various numbers um, to different um, trafficking, um, detectives, uh, weave housing, 
my sister's house and I feel like I'm going in circles. Um, no one's answering and I don't know what else to do. Um, and I don't know if I'm just supposed to flee to the streets with my children or just try to get another program. Ms. Bird, would, would it be okay if I connected you with our assistant city manager, Mario Lara, who's really familiar with this issue at the Greens Hotel? He's right behind you and he's willing to speak with you if you're okay with that. Okay. Thank you so much for coming here. You're welcome. Thank you. Oh, okay. Um, on the outside of that, being at the Greens Hotel, the last couple of years I've been there, um, when, the when the weather gets bad, the electricity is cut off, and um, I was told by SMUD on various occasions that this particular place is a business. It should have um, electricity. No one should be sitting in the dark, but we have for the last couple of years been sitting in the dark, in the cold. We've, our food has spoiled. We've had to spend a lot of money to uh, replenish those things. Um, just not being prepared for that. Your comments, your time is complete. <laughs> Mr. Lara's in the back to speak with you. Our the last thing was um, just being Jabrini. called mentally ill for my spirituality and trying to minister to the people. Your in the time public. is complete. Okay. Mr. Lara's in the back to Thank speak you. with you. Arias, Jabrini, and then Jay. Please do not call out from the audience. Please do not call out from the audience. Thank you. Jabrini, then Jay. Anna's Jabrini. I don't it see. Jay. The next speaker is Jay, then Mir, then Bree. Jay, Mir, Bree, then Brian. Uh, hello, City Council. Um, I'm here to talk about homeless encampments in Sacramento. First, I want to thank each and every one of you for engaging in homeless workshop that Councilmember Jennings brought this last summer. That workshop, we discussed many things. For instance, that local ordinances such as critical infrastructure made it virtually impossible to camp anywhere in the city of Sacramento. We also addressed the harm of sweeps and the lack of services. We also addressed that we need to stop kicking homeless people out without telling them where they could go, where they could have a tent and property. For those of you who don't know, a sweep is when enforcement removes people from their shelters and throws their belongings away. The city sweeps 56 encampments a week. Most people are swept over and over again. People lose their belongings. They need to survive and live well. Where do people go? Most people move as short of a distance as possible because they are connected to the neighborhood and they reside, they reside in, and it's difficult to shoulder your belongings. Howard Chan has been granted the authority to designate safe spaces for people to camp. While waiting for these lots, people are being swept over and over again, and the city can't actually provide them, all of them, with shelter. The voices of our unhoused neighbors aren't a part of the conversation as a city. It's difficult to, for that population to come to City Hall due to disability, and it's hard to leave your camp for more than an hour at a time. Have you ever heard the term, nothing for us without us? We need to listen to our unhoused neighbors. We need to stop sweeping them. The harm it causes our unhoused neighbors is irreparable. It, it also harms the city's relationships with our unhoused and um, people don't have anywhere to exist. Next speaker is Mir. Next speaker is Mir, then Bree. How many times do you think in the last month they have swept you? Um, 
hit twice. Yeah, they, they pretty much throw everything away. Um, it's robbery, really. Uh, last time they said, uh, I illegally stored. That's what they said. And so they, they threw away my, my things. And even though I was there, they said uh, that I was forfeiting my things. Can you talk about the impact it's had on your life? Um, well, it, it's affected me a lot because um, I, have, I have my dog here. She threw away her dog bowls and her food uh, last time. And it's like I didn't have any choice. I didn't, hey, Mama, wait, wait, baby. Even though I could have taken it right then, they said, no, I'm forfeiting it because uh, I'm illegally storing it. That's, that was the, the term. Oh, and, and because it was non-life essential. That's, what, that's the term that they use. They, they, they made up this term called non-life essential items that they say that they can take, which is totally made up. Um, I think this is illegal. The Ninth District Court of Appeals made this illegal in 2022, I believe, in, in, in Los Angeles. And they're doing it here, um, just pretty much coming here and throwing our things away based on what they think is non-life essential uh, things that we don't need, according to the... The, the police, the officer on duty. I think it's uh, very wrong. Yeah. And uh, we have to bow down to these uh, police that, you know, that haven't been out here. Or, or, or you know, their, their, their guns are non-life essential. But why do they have guns? You know, those are non-life essential items. Our next speaker is Breed and Brian. I'd just like to say uh, I think that the, our governor is doing a really bad job about the homeless people out here. Um, there's some really people out here with good hearts. Um, I have, I've met some lifelong friends out here. Uh, anyhow, I ended up out here and uh, really nice trailer, and they just came and took it. No warning, no anything. I had my whole life in there. Uh, in and out of prison my whole life, and... Uh, the things I managed to hold on to all got took. And uh, it's kind of sad, man, because I wasn't hurting nobody. I keep my area clean, and uh, I don't hate on anybody out here for what they do or how they are, but I know how I was, and I don't think I deserve to have my trailer my whole life took for me. No reason at all. How many times have you been swept in the last, like, month? Like five or six, at least. Five or six? Minimum. Yeah, they give I you take my medicine, they don't give me shit. How many times have you been swiping the last month? It's been two times, and I had my wallet along with it. It was in my backpack. I don't have my ID or my credit cards no more, so I got to go through a whole month process to get it back. Uh, how, how's your shelter now? Outside, I sleep. Yeah, with any, any tent, or, or do they take away your shelter? Everything. Everything? Tent. Yeah. And my friends, too. My friends are going through it, too. Yeah. Was that, when did that happen? Like, two days ago. How many times... Do you think you've been swept in the last month? In the last month? Yeah. Uh, two times. Two times? And, like, what kinds of things did you lose? I lost everything. Everything. My my un underwear to socks to, to bedding to, um, you know, like, electronics, cell phones, laptops, tablets, all the important things that I had that I needed to get by. They would be like, <laughs> finally got rid of that junk, didn't we, guys? Or, wow, what a fucking pile of shit. Oh, that rat shit I see? Oh, I bet they have fun with that one. 
Our next speaker is Brian. And Brian is Casey, then Mac. Hello, council members. How many times have you been swept in the last month? In the last month, uh, probably about five, six times. Sometimes uh, uh, as much as every other day. Well, I was at a uh, doctor's appointment in the morning, and when they showed up, they told everybody they had an hour to vacate the premises. I took all my belongings. Um, I had a $170 tent taken from me, along with two sleeping bags, a memory foam topper. Uh, I had a propane heater to keep me and my dog warm. I I'm disabled, so, you know, it's important for me to have these belongings, and, uh, you know, in order for really our survival out here in the cold, you know, I have a bad hip and a bad knee, and I can barely walk most days, so, you know, my joints take a really, uh, you know, hard beating, and I need these things to keep me uh, even mobile or even being able to uh, tolerate life on a daily basis. So when you're taken from me, man, it kills me, man. I've been out here and struggling and suffering now for the last three days, and it's been really tough. Um, I mean, I lost all my food, my dog's food. Uh, I mean, the list goes on. I'm talking, when I really looked at it, it was like a couple thousand dollars worth of stuff that I accumulated over time. A lot of people had donated or bought me these things at stores. You know, but that's not the important part because they basically stole from, from me. Uh, they took my stuff and I stole it from me. You know, uh, yeah. I can say one thing. When, 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 when they come and they do these sweeps and they, they take all these people's belongings, and then they wonder why all these thefts happen, you know, at the stores and whatnot. I mean, essentially, if you take a homeless man's belongings, is is tools that he uses to survive on a daily basis, he has to, he has to replace those somehow, some way. There's not a lot of helping and giving people out there in the world that are willing to take the burden upon themselves, okay? And when you got these, you know, law enforcement coming through and sweeping these, these people up, all their belongings, of course they're going to go to Target and Walmart and all these places, and they're going to steal what they need to get. So directly, I almost blame police directly for these thefts. It's like, you know, I mean, how, how can you blame the people? That, they're trying to survive, man. That idea there is called strain theory, just if you wanted to know. Our next speaker is Casey. And Mac. Casey, Mac, Nikki, and Jessica. Hello, Council. talking about um, having programs and stuff available to us. Um, so I'm a disabled person. Um, like I said, when I say I can barely walk, I mean, I really mean that. I mean, I, I really am in need of some immediate care or, or a safe place to stay. I have a dog. Um, my dog is everything to me. Uh, my dog keeps me going every day. You know, if it wasn't for my dog, some days uh, I don't think I'd be able to keep going. So in order to take my dog with me into a program, they don't have a program for me right now. These put all kinds of rules and stipulations on, you know, your animals and, and different things for you. They almost make it impossible. I feel like it's a, a Band-Aid on a, a much bigger problem. I feel like um, they really are just, like, doing this almost for a, uh, like, oh, look, we're, we're doing something with the homeless. But the reality is, is they haven't really done anything that's sort of have a lasting effect on helping the homeless. I mean, a lot of us really don't want to be out here anymore. I want to get back to life and, and um, you know, uh, re-enter life again, you know? Yeah. Thank God there's a guy out here working for us, man. I really appreciate you, bro. Yeah. Okay. That was all of that one, so. Our next speaker is Mac, and then Nikki. 
Next speaker is Mac, then Nikki. It would be important to me to see everybody's eyes. I've noticed they have begun to drift off. How many, how many times were you stuck in Alaska? Like uh, eight times in the whole week, the seven days. The whole and week. then I'm after I meet you, sorry, after I meet you. Yeah. Then next day, until Saturday. We stop on Saturday. So wait, since you met me on Monday or Tuesday last yeah, week, yeah, you, you got moved how many times? Yeah, Monday to Saturday. I stop on Saturday. Every day they make you move. Yes. And since the day I meet you with my husband, mm -hmm. since the day the cops didn't lead us, he's pushing us to move. To move. Every day. Push me and I so what it takes stuff. It takes stuff. What does that? Yeah. What does that feel like? We feel like a discriminated for people to us. I don't know why. We don't do nothing. Yeah. We don't do nothing wrong. We don't take nothing from nobody. We uh, work for our stuff. You know what I mean? We don't steal nobody. But I don't know why the cops do that to us. Yeah. I was from Sunday. They came again next day, and the next day, and the next day. We lost a lot of stuff, all my clothes, everything, blankets, everything. Well, we are homeless for different situations. Like me, I'm homeless because I'm separate from domestic violence. That's when I'm in the streets. And I don't have support for nobody, so that's why. And I start this relationship with my boyfriend is fine because he supports me and everything, but we're still on the streets. Nobody helps us at all. It's so hard. And with the cops pushing us for everything, mm -mm. people, they think that... We are homeless because we're on the drugs and we're yeah. just in the streets, so I know. Yeah, they don't and really know what happened to us. There's a lot of good people out here, man. Yes. Oh, so, they want to take us on a program, but I mean, they have a rules that not good for us, you know what I mean? And um, they're pushing us to, forcing us to go to a program. The reason I can go to a program is because somebody tried to kill me, and the person who tried to kill me is in that area, and by Rosie Road and what? And I'm disabled too, look, my hand is like all fucked up. Like, disabled? Yeah. She threw a knife to me and they have a, yeah, a woman knife. And so almost two months in the hospital. And for that reason, I can Thank go back to the comments. Our next speaker is Nikki, then Jessica. Karina. I have four more speakers. Nikki, then Jessica. I have four more speakers. Yeah, nothing is more um, like powerful than hearing directly from people. I wish y'all could spend more time with that. Uh, this space isn't conducive, like Jay has mentioned, and there's so much suffering. So I know there's a lot of congratulations all the time when there are these updates, and we see how many encampments have been cleared, and then you guys sort of do this like congratulatory like uh, thank you for all the encampments being cleared. And, you know, since you've passed this homelessness response protocol, <clears throat> it's been doing exactly, I think, what you all meant for it to do, which is remove visible encampments. Um, and that is like one thing to sort of say about a lot of people who have individually suffered immeasurable harms because of this policy. Um, the, the reality is that people lose Every, I mean, you just heard, you just heard from people um, directly, and so I can't say it better than they can. But the, <clears throat> but the ongoing harm for years, the lack of trust with the community outside. You've built a system that's now driven by complaints instead of by calls for service. A wait list of over 2,000 people, but you save the spots for places where you're going to clear people, clear encampments. 
um, access to into programming is based on complaints rather than people who are voluntarily looking for service. I mean, you have built a system that is meant to not work, that is meant to uh, reinforce myths of service resistance and reinforce stigmas on people who live outside. And it's like, yeah, really sad, really, really, really fucked up. And anyways, um, ceasefire, y'all have dropped the ball. Thank you for your comments. Jessica. Speakers Jessica and KJ. Hi guys, my name is Jessica. I've been here more than once. I've been sweet more than once. It's been 20 years. It's not okay to keep sweeping me every single month. It's hard for me to go through this every single day. I have seizures every single day stressing out. I can't do a lot of things in one arm, one leg. But we do need help. Thank you. Our next speaker is KJ. KJ is our next speaker. And then our final speaker is Noor Havis. The, the microphone's okay. Uh, uh, yeah. Welcome. Hello. Uh, it's on? Yes. Okay, how are you all doing, you know? Uh, I come from Elk Grove almost every day and to be with some of the homeless. And the things I've been seeing the last three, four months, it's kind of, to me, it's getting out of control. First, they was told they can't put their tents up in daytime. And so I've seen most of the people didn't like it, but they cooperated. And then as soon as they stopped putting their tents up in the daytime, then they was told, well, you can't put your tent up at night. And they say they were seeking shelter. They told them that we are not camping, but we're seeking shelter. And then when they stopped putting their tent up, they started sleeping on the ground with a sheet and a blanket. And then I seen this with my personal eyes, the officer come and say, where well, you still camping because you gotta you sleeping on public property, and now I can see the frustration in the people's face. Like, what can I do? I got rid of all my belongings. I got no tent no more. And to me, it's just a pure thing of harassment. I don't want to make it seem like the cop is the bad guy, or even you are the bad guys, but. These people need help. They really need help. And the stress, and you can just see it in their face. It's like, it's like they lost all hope. And they already, to me, didn't have that much hope. And I think we all need to pull it together, you know, city councilmen, the mayor, the officers, the homeless people, everybody need to pull together and just really work this out, you know, because it's just getting ridiculous. It's like these guys just don't have nowhere to go no more. You know, and most of them live down here, and this is where their appointment's at, and everything, they have no other way. Thank you All for right, your thank you for listening to me. Thank you for your comments.
Nor Havis. Nor Havis. Nor Harris. Hi. So I'm just going to start with some actually uh, numbers here uh, really fast. I'm just going to be really cool about it. So is it okay to kill 33,360 people and half of them were children and 30,000 of them were civilians? Is it okay to injure 64,150 people? Is it, to, is it okay to kill 117 actually journalists? And is it okay to displace over two one point million people in Palestine? And is it okay also to completely and partially destroy more than 260,000 homes? And is it okay really to just destroy three churches and damage almost 376 mosques? Is it okay also to destroy 25 hospitals and also clinics and ambulances? 136 ambulances, 62 clinics. There were almost 70, 70 hospitals before the whole occupation started, by the way, in Gaza. Do you know that also because of Israel, we have now a new words being added to the dictionary, by the way. We have actually, uh, you know, you're familiar with the word, I think, genocide. But we have a new word because of Israel right now. Idiocide means actually that you're leaving people without education. Mediocide, leaving people without medical treatment. Uh, Econocide, which means actually destroying the economy of a country. And more and more and more. All I say is that death, death, actually, and mass destruction weapons cannot lead to peace. Me and my father and my father's fathers and my ancestors were born and raised and lived in Palestine. We once actually have lived in peace and gave peace to all people. And because of this occupation, there is no peace in Palestine. We're witnessing nowadays actually the most disgusting of brutality of ethnic cleansing happening by the hour. So we talked about 2.3 million people are living actually on the verge of death. Half of them were children living every day without water, without food. Imagine if that was your family. No more speakers. Okay. Thank you for your comments. Okay, if there's nothing else to come before the council, we are now adjourned at 6.56 p.m. The meeting is now adjourned. Please clear the chambers.